Hello everyone and welcome to episode 573 of So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast that's all about writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm CEO of the Australian Writer Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses, and I'm your host. What have you been up to this week? As I mentioned last week, I'm in Hawaii and I'm still here. I must admit that I haven't yet seen much of it because I've been busy with the conference that I'm speaking at, but there'll be plenty of time to do that next week. One thing that I love about being a writer is that it's so portable. You only need a laptop and the internet and you can literally do everything that you need to do. It's even so much easier these days to contact people from around the world Thanks to free apps like Zoom, you know, don't even need a phone, right? Um, Back in the day, it was a lot harder and a lot more expensive. When I first did it, like tried to do my freelance writing while I was traveling, it was over a three-month period that I was traveling and I had to find internet cafes to file my stories. I mean, geez, internet cafes, right? Remember those? Now, Wi-Fi is everywhere and that is such a blessing for writers. So now here I am using the free Wi-Fi, uploading this episode so that you can get it on time. And I love this week's guest. And this is a must listen for any aspiring writer, especially any aspiring writer who wants an agent. So many great tips in this episode. But first, our writing tip. Now, everyone, let's welcome Nat Newman, who is our wonderful creative writing tutor, one of our wonderful creative writing tutors here at the Australian Writers' Centre. Hello, Nat. Hello, Valerie. How's it going? Good, good, good. What's happening in that world? Oh, you know, the usual, doing, trying to do too many things with too little time. <laughs> you have the most diverse um, series of interests, <laughs> but they're all wonderful and creative and inspiring. Um, so Nat does, well, apart from a lot of writing, uh, she does editing, she does writing, she does tutoring, she does performing, she does singing, she does acting, she plays the keyboards, she's learning what language? Italian and Swedish. Oh, Italian and Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> Ikea. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, he, but this week, well, and every week, she's here to give us our writing tip. So what is it, Nat? Well, it is a little bit related to a lot of those things because this week I'm talking about Chekhov's gun. Are you familiar with the concept of Chekhov's gun? Yes, but do yeah. do tell, do tell. All right, cool. So, so Chekhov's gun, well, basically in a nutshell, it's the idea that if you have a gun in the first act, it must go off in the second act. So this is relating to um, plays. Anton Chekhov was a Russian writer. He wrote, well, he wrote plays, but he also wrote prose and poetry as well. Um, But it definitely applies to any form of fiction or any form of writing. So if you, so it it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a gun. (laughs) No. (laughs) But if you draw attention to, if you, if you draw your reader's attention to any kind of object in the first chapter or two, you know, first two or three chapters, and then if those objects never appear again, you're going to have really annoyed readers because you, you've you invested mm. time and they have gone, oh, in their little brains, they've gone, okay, that's probably something that's important and they've filed it away and then you mm. never bring it up again. Um, so if you're going to spend time introducing some sort of object in, in one of your first few chapters, you have to make sure it gets used uh, to some purpose somewhere later on in the story. Yeah, that's a really good tip. It's like when you see TV shows and 
you know, they they do a close up of um, someone using a key card to enter a room and you think, oh, that's going to be important somewhere later on in the plot. And then it isn't. Yep. <laughs> You'd like, you you didn't have to do a close up on it. You, he could have just entered the room with a key card, but it was the close up of the key card that made you think that okay, that's going to be an important thing that I need to file away. Yeah, exactly. That that's a really really good example of it. Um, and it doesn't even have to be an object. I actually I read a book recently. Mm. It was a good book. I enjoyed the book. But in the first part of the book. Um, the author spent some time establishing that one of the main characters was really good at this particular game, but that his strategy was to be very, very defensive. And he had this, like, he would like, you know, be super, super defensive. And that was his strategy for the game. But then when they went on their main mission, that never came up again. And I was Mm. so annoyed because I I kept waiting for him to employ this strategy that, that um, he'd been using earlier in the book. And then, and then it just, it just disappeared. It never, it never came yeah, up again. Frustrating. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder why they bothered. He bothered. Like, have you finished the book? Maybe it comes up later. No, no. I finished the book. Um, and yeah, it was just it was completely irrelevant to the main mission. It was just like, well, why was it important in the first thing? You know, why I invested time in in, <laughs> in learning this about this character, and then it was irrelevant. So, yes. yeah. So, so yeah. So it's not just objects. It's also characteristics as well. All right. So when you hear of Chekhov's gun now, you know what your people are referring to. Thank you so much, Nat. Thank you, Valerie. Now let's move on to our competition this week. I have three copies of A Woman of Courage by Tanya Blanchard. Okay. This week's giveaway takes us back in time to Victorian England. Tanya Blanchard is an acclaimed author of historical novels like The Girl from Munich, Suitcase of Dreams, Letters from Berlin and Echoes of War. We're particularly delighted for Tanya, who is a graduate of the Australian Writers' Centre and is now a best-selling author. You can listen to our interview with Tanya on episode 278 of the podcast and also read more about her journey on our blog. I'll put the link in the show notes. Her latest novel is a testament to the women who fought relentlessly for their right to vote and promises to be a powerfully gripping tale of passion, love, loss and self-discovery. Inspired by a true story, A Woman of Courage is more than just historical fiction. It's a timely reminder of how small acts of courage can change the world. Here's the blurb. 1890 Northern England, Hannah Todd dreams of a future where women have the right to vote. Fresh from her teaching studies in Durham, she joins her parents in a rural village, brimming with newly found passion and the groundswell towards women's suffrage unfolding in London. Working tirelessly to help women and children in the county, Hannah is determined to make the fight for the vote her life's work, adding her voice to the rising chorus across the nation and hopes of a new world and a new way of thinking. But soon she must fight a new unexpected battle, that of the yearning of her own heart. As Hannah grapples with her conflicting feelings, she discovers that when power is threatened, darkness, brutality and dangerous, closely guarded secrets are never too far from the surface. How far can she go to fight for what's right? From the exciting progressive hive of London to the traditional villages of the rural north, a woman of courage rings with the strength and struggles of women at a time of momentous change and the choices one woman must make to help forge a new future. 
All right, I have three copies to give away. Just go to writerscentercomau slash win. Entries close on the 6th of November. But don't worry, if you're at that URL in the future, there'll be some other fantastic competition for you to enter. That's writercentercomau slash win. And here's a quick word from Tanya on her experience at the Australian Writers' Centre. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre and our popular course, Creative Writing Stage 1. This course is the perfect way to unlock your creativity and explore the world of writing. You'll learn how to create memorable characters, believable dialogue and captivating plots, all in a supportive environment in this five-week online course with your very own tutor giving you personal feedback each week. Have a listen to Tanya Blanchard. It was really important for me to become a published author, particularly because of this story that I've written, The Girl from Munich. It's a story really close to my heart. It's a story of my German grandmother and growing up during World War II and what happened to her. So the fact that I was published with her story, first and foremost, is something very exciting and very meaningful to me. The course has had such an impact on my life and on my writing, on my life because I've always dreamed of one day becoming published and never imagined it was possible. But after doing the course, I realised that it was something that was definitely attainable and I was able to work towards that. As far as my writing goes, it improved my writing dramatically. It gave me so much more confidence that I could write. I had the skills behind me to do it now. And that meant that I could work faster and harder and and just get the work done. And I've got so many more ideas of things that I can do now. And I just can't wait to, to write more. I write full time now. It's absolutely amazing that I'm able to do that. I would absolutely recommend one of the courses to anyone. If you're a writer or aspiring writer, go and do it. I wouldn't be sitting here without these courses that I've done. The skills that I've learnt have helped me along my journey and I'm now sitting here with a published book in my hands and I never thought that this was possible and it's because of these courses. Take it from me. Go and do it. You won't regret it. If you'd like to find out more, go to writerscentre.com.au slash creative writing. And now... Are you ready for the word of the week? Well, I hope you are because the word of the week this week is scaramouche. Okay, you probably know this word from the Queen song, Bohemian Rhapsody, right? So scaramouche, that's S-C-A-R-A-M-O-U-C-H-E, scaramouche. Okay, do you know what it actually means? Well, it is actually a stock character in Italian comedy and farce. That's the character's name. So it's actually a proper noun. Scaramouche is a cowardly braggart who is constantly beaten by Harlequin, who is another stock figure. It's related to the word skirmish. And you can also use the word as a regular noun to mean a rascal or a scamp. There you go. Scaramouche. And that was the word of the week. Now, this is where I usually have our writer in residence, but this week I'm doing something a little bit different and I have an agent in residence. Today, I'm talking to Samuel Bernard. Samuel Bernard is a freelance writer, critic and editor, and importantly, a literary agent at Zeitgeist Agency. He also writes for The Weekend Australian as a long-form critic and monthly contributor to the Notable Books column. He writes features and criticism for Good Reading magazine and has his own opinion column on all things reading, books, and the publishing industry. His writing has also appeared in the Australian Book Review and Backstory Journal. 
Thank you so much for joining us today, Samuel. That's it's really exciting to be here. Um, as I was just sort of saying to you pre-recording, I um, I remember saying that I've been listening to this this podcast for years and and heard all the success success stories to come out of the Australian Writer Center and and I've always kind of imagined myself being on this show. It's kind of like you you had made it, you know, and um, and and so it's really exciting to be here and and I'm really proud to be one of those people now. Oh, I love that. And I've loved watching your trajectory. And when I heard that you had become um, an agent with Zeitgeist Agency, I thought, oh, that makes so much sense. We've got to talk to Samuel. So um, just to uh, give listeners some context, you're a literary agent at Zeitgeist. Yep. Maybe explain it to people who might not be so familiar with the role of an agent, um, what it is that you do. Yeah, it's um, a really good question. And, and I've had that a lot from a lot of friends and family over the last few months um, since it was all kind of announced. Um, because it is is a bit, you know, outside of the industry, I guess it, it's, it's a bit of an unknown. Um, essentially, it, it acts as a bit of a middleman. Um, the publishing houses in Australia will often not look at unsolicited manuscripts. Um, so if an author out there is trying to get themselves um, published in the industry, um, a really good way to go, to go about it is getting yourself an agent. Um, so that means you're submitting to an agency or a particular agent um, with your synopsis. Um, different agencies ask for different things, but for us, it's about the first 500 words. Um, and, and really the selling yourself. 500 words? Yeah. yeah of the novel? I mean, of, of the, the novel. Okay. Yeah, and the synopsis? And a synopsis and also an elevator pitch. So about 30 words where you really just got to sell yourself. Um, and, and that comes up then, uh, in our portal, we have a, we have a portal at Zeitgeist, um, which opens, uh, every month at the moment, but, uh, recently we're talking about opening it every weekend. Um, so watch this space for that. Uh, but yeah, so you're essentially going through, um, a middleman then to take on the reins of selling it to a publisher. Um, so my role as an agent will be essentially find a writer and, and a piece of work that I really believe in um, and I really like and think it has legs to go the distance. Um, maybe do some editorial work uh, with that author um, and then essentially uh, start fishing it around and, and looking for publisher or publishers to to make an offer on it um, and negotiate that contract and 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 then beyond that, you know, it's uh, it, it, an agent often, um, you know, publishers come and go for writers, but the agent's kind of there um, for the life of their career uh, more often than not. So, um, yeah, then we start to look at book two, we look at book three, we look at TV and film rights, we look at selling overseas, all that kind of stuff. So um, it's a very intimate sort of relationship. Um compared to a publisher and author relationship. Now, I want to dig a lot deeper into all of the things that you just said, but I'd love to just uh, touch on your background a little bit first. Um, did you always want to be an agent? Of course, like not that many people go to school and go, oh, I want to become a literary agent, right? So oh, it, they usually sure. come in some other way. So what's a brief career history kind of thing or, or what you studied and, and what your intentions were at the time and maybe how that evolved as time went on? Yeah, sure. Um, this is probably going to be a very long answer because I've, um, I've kind of done a lot of different bits and bobs. Um, 
but before the books industry, I, I taught in high schools for a number of years. Um, I always loved to read and write though. So I, I never really saw teaching as, as a lifetime career. What did um, you teach? English, drama, history, uh, mainly, um, they're kind of my areas. So, um, yeah, the, the drama side of things, storytelling, theater, you know, like that, that all played a big part in, in who I was to become over time, I think. Um, but a, a few years into teaching, I decided writing is where I, my passion's always been. And so I did a master's of writing degree, um, just to sort of see where that might take me. Um, and it, it kind of took me into another degree, actually. I, I then pretty much immediately after I finished that, I started a PhD um, in creative writing at Monash University, um, which was awesome. I learned so much from my supervisors. Um, I, I even had a really amazing opportunity to be an editor for the Verge Literary Journal. Um, and I think that that kind of sparked something in me. Um, I was about a year into the PhD when I decided that academia was, was probably not for me. Um, I loved creative writing and I loved studying it, but the academic side was probably playing at odds with where I really wanted to be in my life. Um, and I just really wanted to work with books and, and with authors and with publishers. Um, it, it, it is a passion that, I've, that, that was instilled in me since I was a kid um, through my dad, mainly, I think. He, he passed away a few years ago, but he wrote a couple of the books. Um, and I remember in my early teen years going to the state library and he was sitting at one table doing research on his book and I was sitting at another table doing research um, on, uh, on a book that I was starting to write. Um, you know, when I was like 11 or 12 or 13 or something, oh, wow. um, I, yeah, it was, um, it was a story about, I'm, I'm a big world war, um, uh, buff, I guess. Um, and it was a story of Hill 60, um, in, in world war one. Um, and I wrote the first few chapters, but it, I never went on with it. And then I remember in, it was about 2010 where, uh, an, an Aussie movie came out starring, um, uh, I think it was, um. Brendan Cowell from memory, uh, yep. called beneath, beneath Hill 60. And I was like, oh, that was my idea. Um, but, and I should have just kept writing it, but, um, you know, it kind of, from early on, I think it sort of showed that I had a bit of an eye for stories and what people might be interested in. Um, yeah, but anyway, a bit, bit off track there, but in terms of career, um, around the time I finished the masters of writing, I started targeting publications, um, that I really loved and, and picked up a gig writing reviews for Good Reading Magazine, um, which then soon followed uh, with writing features for them. And now I actually have a monthly, ongoing monthly opinion column with them. Um, and my reviews with them actually grabbed the attention of Carolyn Overington, who's the literary editor at The, the Australian. Um, and she actually reached out to me, which I still can't believe to this day. I, I pinch myself every day. <laughs> Um, but she offered me a, a monthly writing gig, writing the notable books column for the weekend Australian, um, and long form reviews as well. And now I've been doing that for almost two years. Yeah, um, that's brilliant. Cause I remember yeah. when you started doing that, because, um, somewhere along the line, you also did a freelance writing course at the Australian Writers' Centre. Was that helpful in writing articles for good reading and places like that? hundred percent. Um, I, I often tell people that. The masters of writing, you know, very technical. It helped me greatly, um, obviously, but 
the Australian writing courses, particularly because I did the, the first freelance course and then I did the masterclass freelance course. Um, and they really offered like a blueprint or a, a, a formula to actually get you where you, you, you need to be um, in terms of writing and, and freelance writing. So yeah, they were huge. Um, in that, those courses were huge influences on me. Um, yeah, so I, I always, you know, thank my time for the Australian Writer Center for that because it was honestly just a, a game changer. Um, and I, I did those sort of towards the end and just after my masters of writing and it just sort of opened up that whole world for me. Um, cause I didn't really know how to go from that masters of writing to the real world, um, which I think is a pretty big issue in, in the university sector. Um, and so it was, it was a perfect bridge for that. Oh, that's awesome. I was so thrilled when your column started. I love it. It's my Saturday, Sunday, one of those days ritual with my cup of tea. And I just, I'm so thrilled every time, um, every time I see your name and every time I I, I read it, it's awesome. And I love your insights into books. So clearly you love books. So then when did agenting come along? Yeah. um, Or how did, how did agenting come along rather? Yeah. I think, you know, after my gig as an editor for Verge Literary Journal, um, you know, I did that through Monash University Publishing while I was the PhD student there. And I really started reflecting on my career path and where I wanted to be. Um, I loved working with authors to help them bring their visions to life. You know, I was, I was lucky enough to work with some emerging writers, um, but also some really established writers. Um, I, I edited a story from Carmel Bird, who's, you know, royalty in Australian literature. Um, and I think it really began in that moment for me. Um, I considered a bunch of roles in publishing, um, but really I think the best place for me was where I felt where I was going to have the biggest impact was as a uh, literary agent, really helping authors find a publishing house and getting their books out into the world. Um, it's, there's a real excitement for me, I guess, working with authors on the editorial side of their process, seeing it develop, seeing it build over time um, so that it's ready for readers. Um, I get a real kick out of that. And So but just let's just dip into that a bit because some sure. emerging, some new authors don't understand what that means working on the editorial side. What if, when an agent works with an author on the editorial side, what does that typically look like for an author? Yeah, it's, um, it's an amazing question because that was something that I really had to learn the hard way as well. Before I was editor of Verge, I was lucky enough to be published a couple of short stories in another, um, literary journal. And I, you know, I, that was a baptism of fire. Um, I really had no idea what to expect. I remember my first draft of my, the story, the first story that I got published with them came back, um, from the editor. He had a whole bunch of these notes written and I was like, oh, look, you know, change what you want to, you know, that's, that's fine. Um, I trust you and your judgment. And he sort of came back saying, uh, no, that's not really how it works. You're the one who actually has to make the changes. I'm just offering some feedback. Um, so, you know, like that's, that's where I started as well. That was in my early days of my masters of writing and I was a bit clueless back then. And, and so I had to learn, um, what a lot of your writers would go through as well is what happens in that process. Um, and it can be all kinds of different things. It can be structural changes that can be characters. Um, I remember one of the stories that I edited for the um, literary journal was we removed an entire character from the story 
Um, so it can, it can look like that. It could also, if it's a pretty polished shorter story, it might just be kind of grammatical, um, changes and things like that. So it can be a very wide variety of, of things through that editorial process, but essentially we're, we're just looking for ways to make sure that it works in the environment that it's being published. So it's making the story better and more saleable and more suitable to where it is that you yeah, want it to be published. Now, not all agents, though, offer that level of editorial support. Is that correct? Like there are some agents who who really work closely with an author on giving that editorial feedback, but also there are some agents who there's zero impact. They they are basically agenting and talking to publishers, but not really along the editorial um, feedback path. Is that correct? Yeah, that's a hundred percent right. And you know, like I I don't know intimately other agents and their processes, but um, I've definitely heard um, going through the the process, um, doing the inside publishing course through uh, the Australian Writers Centre, of course, um, which I did in in the lead up to considering my my career path into being an agent um but yeah everyone everyone has a slightly different approach to that i think from what i hear um mine is very quite hands-on um and of course each case is different some manuscripts come to you in a really polished um neat orderly um fashion and and you can almost go straight to the publishers with it um but I, I do like to take on a pretty hands-on approach. I think my experience um, of many years of editing work as, as a senior high school teacher, but also as a critic, um, you know, so the Weekend Australian, obviously, and Good Reading Magazine, uh, I've got a pretty good skill base um, for knowing what's working and what's not in the industry. So I like to try and impart that knowledge onto my authors and and make sure that it is exactly what we needed to be before we approach a publisher. Of course, that makes complete sense, right? So in terms of, I want to come back to, you said that with Zeitgeist, you ask for the synopsis, the first 500 words and the elevator pitch. So your those 500 words need to pack a punch, right? Oh yeah, they sure do. Um, and look, we, every month we, we open the portal. It's the start of every month, um, at this point, but as I mentioned earlier, it's uh, likely going to go weekly very shortly. Um, and we get a lot of submissions, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there who are writing, which is fantastic. Um, but you really need to, to put your best foot forward. Um, and you know, it's, I've often thought of selling yourself as a bit, uh, you know, a bit egotistical or cocky, you know, you don't, you don't feel always confident putting yourself forward and trying to sell yourself. But in this business, you, you really have to, um, we look at your bio as well. So we ask for a bit of a bio, um, you know, we're looking for things, um, in that bio, maybe that jumps out at us. Um, you know, I'm a really big believer in our training grounds in Australia, you know, like they're, they're the short story journals, um, kill your darlings, overland, mean gin, Griffith's review, the big issue, like this is the training ground for writers. I, I'm a really firm believer in that. Um, so if their bio jumps out as they've been published in, in kill your darlings or overland or something like that, then I'm going to stand up and take a bit more notice. Um, the 30 word elevator pitch, uh, my, my experience so far has been that it's almost like a, a, they've done so much work on this manuscript that that 30 words, they just kind of throw it out there and quickly write it up. But 
to me, that's one of the first impressions I get on a manuscript. And so that's a really critical area that needs to be polished. Um, and as you said, that first 500 words has to pack a punch. There has to be something in there that really draws me in, um, whether it's a character, whether it's that killer first line or, um, you know, something major happens. Uh, that's, that's super critical. What happens? Do you ever get a situation where an aspiring author goes, there's no way that I'll be able to convey what I need to in 500 words. Here's 5,000. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or 50,000. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we often get more direct emails, um, outside of our submission, uh, portal, you know, when that opens, um, and people just email and say, look, you know, I'm hoping you might have a look at the first few chapters or uh, first 50 pages or something like that. And look, you know, if, if again, the synopsis and the elevator pitch kind of jumps out at me, I'm, I'm happy to read um, a bit more, you know, I'm, I'm a massive reader. So I'm, you know, I'm happy as, as Larry to just keep reading. Um, but it, it does need to grab you, you know, you're not going to invest time into a full manuscript if you don't believe in it, you know, that's, it, it is a massive, um, that's one thing that I didn't probably prepare myself for agenting was the massive reading, um, time, time constraints that you have. Um, and so you have to be really cautious of that. And, and I think that's why Benithan at, at, uh, the director at Zeitgeist, um, has made sure that it's 500 words because it, it does really start to add up, um, and so those first few pages, those first few chapters just have to grab you. Yes. And, um, and as you say, the elevator pitch in the first place and the synopsis need to grab you because if you read the synopsis and it's something that's just very unoriginal or been done a billion times, then obviously there's less likely to have any chance in, of it being um, picked up. So yes. um, yep. with the, so people submit, they they right? They're killer 500 words, they're yep. elevator page, they're synopsis. And you go, okay, I think that one I'm intrigued. Is that when you ask for the whole manuscript or a, a bunch of chapters? Yeah. It, again, it's, it's a bit, um, you know, it changes from, from case to case. Um, but more often than not, if, if I'm interested, um, I will ask for the full manuscript. Um, and then, I will probably set myself about 50 pages, um, and just say, if I'm, if I'm not hooked by that 50 pages, um, or, you know, there's not something special there, uh, then I'm, I'll probably then have move on, um, to the next one. Uh, and it's always a really good test to make it to the end of a manuscript, because if, if you've got me reading all the way to the end, 300 pages, pages on, then there's something special in there for sure. Yeah. Wow. And how often does that happen? Uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a sucker. I think, uh, I, I love kind of old writing, you know, like I, through my, my years writing reviews for good reading magazine, um, where Rowena Morecambe, who's the editor in chief there would just send me anything and everything. Um, I, I, I get a really wide kind of scope with, um, what I like. So um, I probably take on a bit too much than, you know, what I could probably handle, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it, I guess it's, um, a case by case basis, you know, like it, it, it really is. And it's, um, there's, there's 
maybe a manuscript that you take on, you're really loving the synopsis, you, you know, they've put in the effort and then you're 50 pages in and you're like, ah, oh, you know what? It's just not hitting the mark for whatever reason. Um, yeah, but there, there's always, there's always a special one where you really get through to the end and, and, yes. uh, yeah. It's pretty magical. You'd like to like you're the first person to discover something kind of thing. I imagine that's the, the feeling. So yes. let's talk about that range of um, different types of stories. Obviously, mm. different agents um, specialize, sometimes specialize in certain things. And mm. some agents are, you know, are open to, to lots of different genres and, mm. and, and types of writing. So what are you open to, you know, in terms of do you do fiction and nonfiction? And then within, say, fiction, are you open to all the genres? Um, what are you looking for? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good question because uh, there are some agents out there who would just about take on anything. Um, and, and fair enough, you know, like I've, I've love good storytelling myself. And, and I think that's always the most critical thing, um, is really good storytelling. Um, but having said that, you know, like I've always had a passion for history. Um, I've always loved reading and watching crime stories. Um, you know, whenever I get a chance to read for myself, which seems less and less these days, um, you know, I always read crime, psychological thrillers, historical fiction, um, you know, and beyond reading my favorite TV show of all time is still Band of Brothers. Um, oh. you know, some of my favorite movies are, you know, like history-based Pearl Harder, Apollo 13 or, or crime-based. Um, one of my favorites is A Simple Favor or, you know, Knives Out is a, a cracking whodunit. Um, so that, that, those areas are really where my passions lie. Um, at Zeitgeist Agency, Benithan, um, has carved out a really fantastic author list, um, primarily in literary fiction and memoir. Um, so I kind of need to distinguish myself and carve out my own niche. Um, so I'm currently looking for probably more commercial fiction, the, the crime thrillers, historical, um, that's where I really want to set myself into the future. Um, in saying that, you know, like I'm, I'm open to any sort of submissions. Um, I certainly don't confine myself to those genres. Um, but that really is where my passion is. And in terms of uh, nonfiction, I'm absolutely open to it. I, I read a lot of James Holland in particular. The, um, you know, as I've said before, that World War II is like one of my, my big passions um, and the World War era, really. Um, so I read a lot of James Holland and other uh, nonfiction writers. So absolutely open to that. Probably more so in the historical side of things. Um, Benithan um, does a lot in memoir. Um, and so, you know, he, he seems to, that that's kind of his niche, um, but nonfiction historical based, absolutely. I'm into some of the, the things that I'm, I'm probably not looking for myself, are children's books and YA, um, you would probably think that a history in teaching, um, that, that would be my forte, but it really isn't, um, you know, even as a kid, aside from maybe goosebumps, um, I, I never really read YA, uh, and it, my sister would be reading, you know, Babysitter's Club, that kind of stuff. But I was reading Ernest Hemingway and Stephen King, um, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, and nonfiction, absolutely open to um, open to submissions there. Um, but, yeah, in, in terms of what I'm not looking for, probably not looking for, for children's books or young adult. Well, that's great to know. Yeah. And when you – I know it's hard to answer this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> sure. <laughs> 
Because many uh, authors would love to know the answer. What are you looking for in a story? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really challenging question. Um, and I think I'm, I'm a really firm believer in originality. Um, you know, tired tropes and, and cliches. Uh, we get a lot of those sorts of stories. Um, you know, people wanting to be Dan Brown or Stephen King, um, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, I think, you know, cracking storytelling, really original plots, um, character, you know, character is huge for me. I just finished reading a manuscript and the characters were absolutely gorgeous. You know, I felt every heartbreak that they had. Um, I laughed along with them when they were laughing, you know, it's that they're the special moments. So I think if you can get originality and I think if you can get some of those, you know, they seem like basics, but to master them, it, it's not a basic skill. The, the characterization, the, the settings um, and your plotting is just critical. It's so critical. When you read a manuscript, because <clears throat> I know I'm certainly this way with um, feature articles because I've done it for decades. <laughs> um, when you read a manuscript, can you see that's the hole there? That's the thing that needs to happen 10 pages later? Um, absolutely yeah yeah. it's it's a it's a unique it it is it is um and i'm i'm so glad i have it in some small way you know Mm -hmm. Um, i'm i'm in my early um stages of my career so i'm I'm still learning every every time i read a manuscript of course um but it is there's 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 a skill in that and to and i think it's probably from you know my many years teaching and then um working as an editor for the the journal and doing the masters where you have to read and write so much um those sorts of things have have really built my skill set there but uh, i'm always almost astonished that i can actually pick up some of those things sometimes where you're like oh there's a massive plot hole here um and then you send it back to the author and they're like i cannot believe i missed that you know it's um yeah i feel a bit chussed every time that happens (laughs) Now, I've asked you what you're looking for in a story, but <clears throat> a story might be fantastic, right? Um, but what are you looking for in an author? Because just because you've got a great story doesn't necessarily mean you'll be taken on. Yes, it's 100% true. Um, a lot of people want to write books and, and a lot of people have a story in them, which is fantastic because the more we can storytell in our lives, then the better we're going to be. Um but I think, you know, some of the flags that I look for to say, yeah, this person can write is developing those really essential skills like show, don't tell, um, really giving a vibrant description of setting, um, letting me visualize those characters. Um, if you're starting to do those things and matching them with a really strong plot, you're doing a lot of the things right. And it's probably only a matter of time before some part of your work is going to get picked up. Um, whether it's your first novel, you know, a lot of people say your first novel is never going to get picked up. It's, it's often your next ones, unless you're quite astonishing. Um, but those are the things that should tell you to like, keep on, keep on writing because, you know, you're on the right track and you know, you, you obviously know what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to, oh, I'd say who, <laughs> um, someone in the industry who was talking about the fact that they would had dealt with an author or were dealing with an author whose book um, did, you know, well, 
um, certainly very respectably. Uh, it was a very good story, critically well-received, but also sales were, were good. But they were never going to work with that author again because they were just so difficult. Every, everyone in the office was just like, oh, we, we just can't, even if the sales yeah. were fine, you know what I mean? Um, what are, do you have any red flags or, or do you think that there are red flags that an author should maybe be aware of that perhaps this isn't going to enable them to or endear them to people in the industry? It's funny you say that because that, yes, that, that happens a lot in the industry. Um, I can think of some definite examples, um, from my experience where, uh, you really have to tiptoe around certain things and, and be very good people, um, you know, people pleasers almost. Um, I think for me personally, I've, I've got a pretty good skill set there. Um, and it's probably years from teaching teenagers. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, I kind of, you know, I know how to tread gently. Um, so I think for me personally, I've not come across an author yet who, I've been like, you know, I, I can't work with you. Um, I, I understand everyone has a lived experience and, and you know, we, we've all come from different, um, yeah, different lives before this one. So it's, it's not something that I've ever gone, no, I can't work with you anymore. I'm sorry. Um, but I definitely have heard of it happening and I can absolutely say with certainty that I've had authors in the past where I've gone. Wow, that was that was a challenge to get anything from that. Wow. Right. So yeah. let's say somebody has written a cracking story. It's a bit of crime, a bit of history, all in one, even. Oh, that sounds and nice. <laughs> send it to and, me. Well, exactly. So if they go through their portal and they they listen to this and they go, I'd really love for Sam to read it, how do they make sure that you become aware of it? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm really uh, I'm really engaged with our portal. So it, it's, it opens up, we get a list of all these, uh, submissions come through, uh, and I'm, I'm quite intimate with that, that, uh, portal. Um, and I think it's because, you know, like I'm, I'm fairly new to the industry and I'm eager and I want to find that next big writer. Um, so I'm really scouring it for, for something special. Um, but I've had other people reach out in different ways, um, as well. So if, if there is something there and, uh, you're really proud of it and you're like, oh, yeah, Sam's the person that, you know, I want, I want to, um, you know, continue this relationship with, then yeah, it's very easy to reach out to me. Um, and the main way is definitely through that submission portal. Um, and you can put a little attention Samuel on there. Um, hey, I was listening to the uh, So You Think You Want to Be a Writer podcast and um, and I liked what I heard. So uh, here's my story. Awesome. So when you get something and you go, okay, great, I like this, what's your decision-making process in thinking of which publishers to approach mm. or publisher or publishers like or, or as well? Which yeah. How do you think about that? It's a really good question. And I, I'd like to put it out to authors. I've heard it a few times as well through the Australian Writer Center courses, um, where when you're writing it, you really need to think of comparative titles. You need to think about what publishers, um, might be interested in this sort of work. 
um, every publisher has a little niche, whether it's an imprint or, you know, maybe a certain publisher, but they all have their little niches. So, you know, find those books on the shelves that you love, look at who published it, do some research, um, and really consider those things, um, before you actually, well, during the process of writing it for sure. Um, that's part of my role though, as well, is to make sure that I know that this style of book is going to suit this publisher. Um, so they would be my first target. Yeah. And do you get in situations where you go, this is so good. I'm putting it out there to four publishers. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a bit of an auction situation. That's kind of the dream, um, for a writer, for an author or an agent is when you put it out there to a few different ones, they've all come back and said, yes. Um, and then let the big bidding begin. <laughs> it's, um, it's a, it's a really exciting time, um, for writers, especially, I think. Um, and yeah, but definitely put it out there to multiple. Um, you never know what you're going to hear back and, and who's looking for what particular, um, element of a story at any given time. Mm. Now you have done various things in the past, but they all have had a common thread. So clearly you are in the right industry. That's, you know, something that's very close to your heart, but paint me a picture, um, 10 years from now, mm -hmm. what are you doing? Ah, well, I think the excitement of not knowing is kind of cool. Um, I don't know, <laughs> um, you know, it would be, it would be wonderful to, uh, to be a literary agent who's had a bit of success, um, you know, with, with writers and taking writers, um, all the way through publishing multiple books and even film and TV. Um, you know, that kind of thing is, is quite an exciting, um, idea, uh, the director at Zeitgeist, Ben Eichen, has a rich history of the film and TV um, side of things. He's he's sold rights in, you know, Jasper Jones um, to more recently uh, The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart, um, you know, two major, major screen adaptations. So, you know, like I think in 10 years, that's the sort of thing that I'd love to be doing is making sure that my authors have um, pumped out multiple books to, you know, really, uh, you know, really successfully. Um, and then even some film and TV would be really cool. Um, but in all honesty, 10 years from now, I have no idea. And I think that's a, that's a really cool place to be. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I have yeah. no doubt it's going to be incredible, whatever it is. You are one of the most well-read people I have ever met. Um, um, congratulations on everything you've achieved so far. And I can't wait for a lot more Australian Writers' Centre graduates to become your clients. <laughs> yes, yes. Send him one through. I'd love to read it. Thank you so much for your time today, Samuel. Thank you. Appreciate it heaps. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Samuel and I hope you learned a thing or two about how to submit to agents and hopefully get an agent to represent you or certainly how to submit to Zeitgeist Agency. All right, let's move on. We're now at the end of this week's episode. I want to say thank you so much for having me in your ears week after week. And if you're new to us, then please do join our podcast listener community on Facebook. Just search for So You Want To Be A Writer podcast community and a request to join. I'd love to see you in there. Uh, feel free to connect with me on social media as well. I'm at Valerie Koo on Twitter and Instagram. Um, 
Not sure whether I'll stick with Twitter, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, Twitter and Instagram, and I'm over at ValerieKoo.com where I talk about all things creative, including my own creative journey into writing and art, which is what I do when I'm not writing. I am a painter and I do oil painting and sell my artworks and it's great fun. I'm a big believer that you don't have to do just one thing. I'm a big believer that you can have a portfolio career, which is what I talk about over there as well. I also have a personal newsletter over there that you can sign up for if you're interested. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And I look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercenter.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writercenter.com.au slash news, where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions, and much more.